Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 246, covering Non Sequitur and Twisted with Brian Lynch. Friends, remember when I said this show's probably not going to be very good? It's going to be the same kind of garbage every week. Well, vindicated. This is the kind of week I had in mind. But hey, Brian's here, so. Hooray! Hooray? Is that? Am I doing that? that I'll take a hooray as long as you don't talk, as long as you don't speak the forbidden words. I already promised you I wasn't going to ever talk about that. And my friend agrees with me. Isn't that right, Fred Lee James? That's right. To, to be very clear, if, <laughs> if the topic comes up, I'm not kidding. I will hit the hang-up uh, button, and Matt and I will resume the show without you. I only talk about it when it comes up organically. No, that doesn't matter. There is I no only exception. talk about it when I bring it up organically. Yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> now, it, it will be difficult to not talk, like, to, to, to stay on topic about these episodes, because they're particularly bad. Oh, yep. man. How would have... Would've... Did we talk about them at all while we were even watching them, or was it just in No, we did not talk about them at Singing Rapper's all Delight while... in an Italian accent, which is I fun, and I recommend that to anybody listening. Yeah, a bit of that. A bad Italian accent, to be clear. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's a very a bad Italian cartoon. accent. Yeah. Speaking of which... A rapper, a ripetuto rapper. That's not how it that's goes. Not, that's not remotely correct. Oh, well, go no. fuck yourself. Already am. Good, good. Wonders All of right. What else can we talk about? Let's see. <laughs> well, the thing is, this episode, the first episode, somehow, three weeks in a row, Brandon Braga. Again! Brandon How does this keep Braga. happening? Brandon I only, Braga. I want every episode of this season to be written by me, Brandon like, Braga. Like, is he on coke? How How are you writing three hour-long episodes in three weeks? That doesn't make sense. Probably coke. Al, Al I want to do like a Hobgoblins interview with you where I play Brandon Braga. <laughs> how much coke would you say you were doing in this episode? Oh, yes, I was doing tons of coke. <laughs> that's, now, not the, <laughs> that's not the voice you do. Sir, would you say that you're an idiot? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I guess well, I should probably talk about non sequitur, shouldn't I? I don't know about that. Never, never has a title been more apt. How much? Yeah, how would you? How I would you feel about talking about the comic strip non sequitur instead? Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, me neither. That dude gets way up his own ass all the time and thinks he's significantly cleverer than he is. Ugh. I, I just for this particular episode, like non sequitur, because everything that happens in it is not on topic and ends up not mattering. Yep. You so could you it, could name any episode that because it would always be equally appropriate. I guess that's true. But why don't you tell us specifically what happens? Okay. Well, well, we open with Harry Kim. Uh, I'm sorry. We open with Harold Kim lying asleep, dreaming about Captain Janeway talking to him. Harry, she says, "We're coming to get you. You're my favorite ensign. You're the most special boy." But alas, it was all in his head as he wakes up on Earth, in San Francisco, needless to say, and there's a hot lady next to him, and a kindly Italian coffeesmith who makes insinuations about his sex life. Not next to him, I mean. That guy's outside, as Harold learns when he's walking around trying to get his bearings. I swear to crap, one of these days, I'm going to wake up and just start wandering around asking really obvious questions about my life. Is it really you? I'll say to my girlfriend. I might... 
teacher? I'll say to my boss. What day is it, and where do I live, and what's going on? I'll say to the kindly Italian coffee smith who's way too interested in my life. And if TV is anything to go by, no one will think this is odd, and everybody will freely offer me awkward expository dialogue about my life. Just like they do for Harold, saying things like, The big meeting is today, you're designing a ship! And, The Voyager disappeared nine months ago, there was a recent memorial service which you attended, and your best friend is somebody named Danny, not Tom Paris, whoever that is, my name is Libby, and we're engaged. Here's a full dossier on how we met. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, after enough people give him enough evidence to go on, Harold realizes that he's in an alternate dimension where he was never assigned to the Voyager. He immediately attempts to figure out how this happened, and after ruling out holodeck, time holes, slidering, quantum leapery, banjo man, and getting a bowling ball dropped on his head, he finally lands on Anomaly. Probably should have been your first guess. Either that or Space Whale. After crapping his pants at the big meeting and continuing to look like a crazy person in general, Harold finally decides to figure out what's what and he looks up the Voyager's crew manifest. But out of his two best friends, one of them is not on there. So it's off to Marseille to find Tommy Paris. It seems Tom got into a bar fight with Quark before the Voyager set off and spent the night in Odo's cells instead of leaving with the ship. But enough about an episode I'd rather be watching. Paris takes a sloppy drunken swing at Harold and the Italian guy is standing there watching just in case you haven't figured it out yet. When Harold returns, the people in Starfleet have finally noticed that he's acting like a complete weirdo, and he's arrested on suspicion of being a Maquis spy. Released with an ankle bracelet, he returns home, whereupon his Italian amigo, or amico, reveals that he is a member of a race of non-linear aliens, ugh, who have been observing Kim since he switched timelines after crashing into one of them in space. This is alarming, because it puts me dangerously close to winning Bren and Braga Bingo. I just won that last week. There you go. Harold then leads Starfleet security on a merry chase with the help of Paris, who came to America, enticed by the promise of best friendship. They fly around backwards until the problem is fixed or something, and Libby is once again a grieving widow and all is right with the world. Meanwhile, this week on Deep Space Nine, Commander Worf joins the station in a clear top ten episode. The following day on NBC, News Radio started its second season, which no one expected, and Wings started its sixth, which no one wanted. <laughs> I like how you paused after your bowling ball reference, because you knew. You knew, like, hey, that, that one's for you, Al. You love those <laughs> terrible Flintstones references. He does enjoy a good bowling ball. Uh, and you were correct. That's, that's, that's what yeah, that's happened uh, when uh, Harry Kim uh, had the bowling ball fall on his head and turned into Harold O'Camini, the Italian lover. <laughs> God, I wish I was watching that. That would be of episodes I'd rather be seeing. I oh mean, God, that sounds great. I mean, I we have watched probably 500 episodes of Star Trek at this point, and I could probably name 475. I'd rather be watching than this one. Yep. <laughs> it's really gray, the, not in there. No, it's 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 in like the 90, like the the bottom 90 percentile, but mm -hmm. uh, it's not yeah. quite at the very bottom. Yeah. It just oh god, it was not good, but it was hilarious. See, I didn't think so, and I've said this before about Braga and his nonsense. Like, if it if he embraced the nonsense and made it intentionally hilarious, that'd be fine. Well, that's... yeah, no, if it was actually goofy, but like, yeah. except for Italian guy, who's my good thing. Um... <laughs> oh well, let's let's hear about Italian guy uh... or Italian a guy is his name probably. It's literally the dude down the street. Like, I love we get the Harry walks out of his apartment. And he's walking down the street. It's literally the fucking um, uh, uh, Mr. Sandman part from Back to the Future. <laughs> Uh -huh. And then suddenly this Italian dude just pops out, goes, "Hey, it's my good friend Harry Akim. Uh, come over here, I give you a free Star Trek a coffee. You love it so much. Hey, how's that nice lady you're sleeping with so much? I look at it and throw it a window. It's really hot. Sometimes I masturbate." <laughs> <laughs> he's he's, the best he's really into Harry's dick. He's and I, I am only exaggerating a tiny bit. 
Yeah, he's not great. And what's his name? Cosmo. Co- uh, Co- Co- Cosimo. Cosimo. Yeah, which is which is basically Cosmo. Yeah, uh, that's right. Works. My name is Cosimo. I'm a uh, I'm a space guy, just like you. Only I stay on uh, Earth and I make a coffee, and I don't want to get paid for it for some reason. He makes him Cos- Vulcan mochas extra sweet. Uh, my good friend Harry Kim, you uh, you gonna design a spaceship? I'm gonna put it right in my window so everybody know a famous spaceship design man to drink a coffee here. Would he never pay for? <laughs> that's that's actually basically what he says. Yes, he's like I'm gonna tell everybody Harry Kim. He's so great. He sh- he buy a coffee at my shop, only not uh, the buyer because we on Earth. Huh? Uh, that's my friend Harry Kim. He's my bambino. <laughs> I didn't notice the not paying for thing because there were so many other things I was yelling at. But <laughs> you're right about that. Yeah, because they're on Earth and they have no money. Uh, sure. <laughs> at least uh, at the coffee house, no giant-eyed old man is demanding you order specific things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you lost me there. Uh, Cisco's Joe, Joe Cisco. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. And if you don't get the Vulcan mocha, you get the hell out of my shop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is that's the only thing he made today, so like, <laughs> that's why he's doing it. I highly recommend it. Oh, uh, no, I'd actually rather have this. Shit. I'm a vegetarian. Get the fuck out of my shop. All their meat's made Brandy. out of replicators or something anyway. Brandy. So, wait, made out of replicators? Yes. yes. How do you made think out this of works replicators. exactly? Well, it is made, and it comes out of a replicator, so it is made out of a replicator. Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. No, I, <laughs> no it's made out of tiny mo- uh, molecule-sized replicators. That's yeah, see, what that's what Matt... That's what Matt would have run with. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that's why. That's why the Kazon ship blew up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, were, exactly. they, had, they had too many little replicators. Yeah, they were replicating themselves. It was a gray goose situation. What? You ever heard of that for uh, the like the 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 apocalyptic event of uh, nanites? No. Where nanites just make more nanites out of everything, and eventually, Until eventually the entire world is just a pile of gray goo. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Great Goose. Oh, no. until eventually the entire world is a is a middle shelf vodka. <laughs> yeah. I but okay, so this this Italian dude, yeah, yes. does sound like Chico Marx. Yeah, we are clear. not. We're not doing like an offensive Italian accent. He is. We're just yeah. copying it. This is and not he, like. But yeah. he is the straight up Deus Ex Machina of every like. Harold's got the wacky mystery once again. Here's mm-hmm. they're gonna blow their minds. Like Matt, you've now established the Brandon Braga voice. It's so. gonna blow their minds. They'll, they won't see this coming. Who would think that the Italian stereotype was actually a magic spaceman? Uh, how about everyone who's ever watched an episode you've written before? Hey, Brandon, hello, dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, you're walking with a weird, uh, with a weird limp there. Yeah, that's from patting myself on the back so hard. <laughs> also, I've got this boner. Yeah, but uh, so everything. So Harold, I guess, flew into an anomaly, and the this guy's people decide. Well, they live in the anomaly, or they are the anomaly. I forgot sure. which, and he crashed into them. So and they're like that shitty made versions. Slider into another dimension. They're like shitty versions of the prophets. Yeah, yeah, basically. And yeah, they decide uh, reality needs to change for some arbitrary reason, but you still have a memory of it. That's the thing that always bugs me about reality changing things is like, okay, but why does he remember? Yeah, not shouldn't you being just him? like if reality's different, then you should remember being this hero. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, because it's not that it's not a strict alternate dimension. It's that his dimension changed so that he never right. went on to Voyager. Right. But, I mean, Star Trek is always, like, that's how time travel works in Star Trek. Like He went into ship design instead. 
which okay, let's talk about that. Mm. He's an engineer now. Yep. Mm-hmm. What he's he's shown some engineering aptitude, but he is not an engineer. He's a junior ensign just out of the academy, learning a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. like the, the Voyager is literally his first assignment. Like yeah. this, yeah, and he's the uh, he's the operations officer, which is basically but, like being a communication major in college. It's what you mm-hmm. do when you have no idea what else you want to do. Right, but in in this reality, which is eight months after Voyager disappeared, so mm-hmm. he's still a year out of the academy, maybe. He's, no, um, he's eight months out of the academy. They, uh, the Cosmo, he said, how long have I been getting coffee from you? Oh, since you graduate the academy, yes, eight months ago. Exposition. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm the expo magician. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia. Presto changeo. Abracadabra. But, okay, just just to be clear, though. So he's been, he's he's graduated eight months ago. He is now an engineering specialist who is designing the next generation of runabouts. Mm-hmm. Really? He's a baby. Yeah, he's a child prodigy. Or, no, the other thing. Idiot savant. Yeah. Well. <laughs> one of those things. Yeah, one of those things. I actually, that would make sense in having the uh, the admirals be all like, why are we why are we in this meeting with this two-year-old? What are you, well, somebody's except, kid or something? <laughs> yeah. Except they make it sound like, no, he's just really good at it. No, I think, and, like, it, we, a combination of him being good at it and, like, his buddy, Danny? I don't know. Much like Mulder's best friend, Danny. <laughs> well, Mulder, um, had, Mulder had a bunch of best friends who showed up for one episode. Uh, uh, okay. No, Danny was the one who got him basketball tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but, is, it is a hallmark of a Brian appearance that we talked about nothing but 90s television the entire time. I didn't bring it up this time. I want to make and that I keep clear. going, what? What are you talking about? What? We're, we're, talk- we're supposed to be talking about 90s television. Now, meanwhile, yeah, that this- week on Nowhere Man... <laughs> I watched that show for the three weeks it was on. That was that was apparently it was pretty good. That was like uh, UPN's attempt at like a little prestige drama. Yeah, before that term uh, existed. Was Nowhere yeah. Man invisible? No, he was the guy who like had like there was a big like conspiracy type show. It was on after Voyager. Oh, all right. Yeah, it was w- one of the many shows that tried to take the vibe of X Files and do something slightly different, but basically the same. Sure, yeah, so okay. this was like the guy that like you know everybody had like a secret and he didn't like remember his past or something. Yeah, the government had wiped his past, and it, it wasn't great, but it looked like it had promise, and they canceled it, like, before anything happened. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't cancel it because it was terrible. They canceled it because they just, oops, shouldn't have greenlit that in the first place. They oh, canceled well. it because they were desperately floundering for a voice as a network. I, yeah, sure. But, okay, but anyway, so Harold is now oh, yes. an expert in shipmaking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which he has never shown any interest in. He's a shipwright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let, let's be clear. The other guy we knew who was an expert in shipbuilding was a fucking commander when we met him. Yep. Like, Cisco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't just get out of the academy and make ships, no, even that, runabouts. That dude, that dude put his time in. Like, Well, yeah, yeah. That's, he worked at the shipyards for, right. you know, 10 years before uh, getting right. transferred onto a ship. Mm-hmm. And then he worked on the team that helped develop the Defiant, but he didn't just make the Defiant. No. Yeah, it wasn't just him and his friend Lasseter. What was that guy's name? Lasker? Sure. I don't know, Whitey. Danny. No, Danny was, uh, the, Danny was the one on Voyager. Danny's the only, Dan, Danny's Danny the is, only Danny one. Danny's the uh, guy that would have been Tom Paris's best friend if he had made it on. <laughs> Danny's the guy who, if Aaron Sorkin had written the episode, he would have been like, Danny is the only character name uh, Aaron Sorkin knows. There's a Danny <laughs> in every Aaron Sorkin show. Wasn't there a Danny on Battlestar too? Probably. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin presents Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Sure. That's why they were um, always walking through hallways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until you get to the airlock, and then you just walk and talk. Walk out the airlock. Yeah. I just... uh, Okay. So, really, what this should be is, like, 
the the life he could have had. Yeah. But there's never that bittersweet feeling. There's never that, oh, I do love my fiance and I wish I was here, but I also wish I was back with my friends. He, the he really whole time doesn't he just wants to, like to go that back. Much. No, they no. try at the end of the episode when she's like, Harry, why do I get the feeling you don't want to stay with me? Uh-huh. And he's like, but I do all I think about. I, I wake up at night screaming your name when I'm not thinking of being back in the womb with my mother. And you, you literally said once, I have a girlfriend. You have never said the name Libby to us in 20 episodes yet. I told nope. Tom you exist. That means I think about you all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I don't talk to Tom unless I have to. Yeah. So it, it just, like, the, the, the ruined potential of this could have been Oh, being home would have been nice, but he yeah. doesn't. He always wants to leave. Like the whole time, he just wants. He to wants leave. to leave as soon as it, like. There's never the temptation. There's never. Yeah. No, and oh, this maybe is a, I should stay. No, this is it's a never great there. thing to do too. Is like you have an out. You don't have to be on Voyager anymore. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing. Like it should be a big deal that he has to go back and like. You it's know, a sacrifice, and it's like, well, I'm sad to be here, but this is where I belong. Yeah, exactly. This, this, but is, this is a running thing on the show. Nobody ever gets tempted to leave Voyager. They did no, that one time when, the they were on, uh, when they were on Planet Fuck, and they tried to steal that <laughs> fancy transporter. Right. Um, I'm sorry, I just love Planet Fuck. <laughs> and uh, Although I suppose I, anyone would. <laughs> I think it was Le Planet Fuck. <laughs> and they tried, they tried to steal the fancy transporter, but apart from that, they never like take these risks that we get them there. That one time where they were like, oh, you can all stay with the, the 37s and their planet. Yeah. yeah. Nobody was gave any serious thought to staying. As soon as Harry finds out he's on Earth, he's like, well, I gotta find out how to get back to Voyager. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fucking Neelix is gonna miss me. <laughs> Is he? Wouldn't it be great if in that alternate universe Voyager got back like two weeks later because uh, Danny figured out how to save it? Mm. Pray for Danny. (laughs) Or some side mission they went on with Harold to rescue him didn't happen and they just found a way home. Hooray, Danny's the hero. They do rescue Harold quite a bit on this show. They rescue a lot of guys. Like, I wouldn't say he's he any more than anyone else, but they are taking a lot of side trips. He's the princess toadstool of this show. I think Neelix more... Than anyone else so far. Either that or uh, Banjo Man didn't keep them around because uh, Danny didn't have what he was looking for and so he just blew up their ship. Oh, yeah. Because he Man. did keep them around because Harry had, uh, I don't know, magic something. space juice or <laughs> he something. He had banjo powers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Banjo. I gotta stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta I stop just... doing Banjo Man. The other. <laughs> I picked the wrong week to stop banjo. <laughs> no, the the other problem I had. Okay, so wasted potential as far as like it could have been sort of bittersweet. Yeah. The other thing is that memory alpha that they talk about a lot, and it's two or three different people talking about how they really wanted Hitchcocky intention in this. What? They specifically mentioned the movie Vertigo, which what? is arguably Hitchcock's best movie. What? But we settled on Ritz Brothers Chase Arounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. They were going for Hitchcocky intention. No kidding. And I'm. No. I'm a, pretty big fan of like I, i've seen most of the dude's movies I've, I've given a lot of thought to them there is nothing hitchcockian about this do, nothing do they think that hitchcockian tension means running around is that what Apparently. they think because this episode had a lot of running around in it well and that's that's the story behind this episode is garrett i'm pretty sure it's wong i still haven't seen we, any, we just need to pick one in. yeah i'm gonna say wong and if i'm wrong then i'm wong but uh <laughs> when but i no- nap- there was no getting out of that one. Al, two Wongs don't make a white. Uh, <laughs> that's like the joke from Hudson Hawk where they're sitting and reading the phone book and 
There's 764 Wongs in the phone book. That's a hell of a lot of Wong numbers. Oh. Yeah. Hudson Hawk sounds amazing. It's it's so bad. Would it's you so, like so to good. swing on a star? <laughs> Carry but moonbeams. I, I, there's, there's no... The, the thing is, Garrett went to uh, the writers and said, how come I don't get any action sequences and I never get the girl? And like, and Brandon's like, Matt, you should do the voice. Ah, you're like, right. Okay. You don't ever get the girl. I don't I'll, see what I can do about that. Yeah. Boy, your little legs must be tired from jumping to conclusions. <laughs> I figured out what character that, what voice that was. What what is that? That's uh, Toby Determined from uh, Gravity Falls. Yeah, ah, very well. <laughs> your mic your microphone's a turkey based to Toby. So it is. Oh yeah, okay, that character. Yeah, yeah very good. I I just ah uh, just ah. Uh. It's not. It's there's no tension. There's no, no logic no, to what he does. It's typical Braga. It's typical yeah. we're going to blow their minds with a wacky premise that we're going to undo at the end. Yep. And that's why I weirdly love this episode. Okay, so let's hear like what you found. Because I never find it amusing. I always find it irritating. Yeah, the what reason did, what I found it find? amusing this one, I think it was like, it was a perfect storm of everything like just like being like, so bad in that way that it was so obvious that Braga came up with the opening idea of Harry looking out his window in his weirdly decorated apartment oh, and seeing the Golden Gate Bridge of freaking course. Um, yeah, we'll come back to his interior decorating style. Um, and then he wrote that teaser, which was about 30 seconds, by the way. There was like no... Oh, no, it, was, that, it was like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. that was the shortest teaser I've seen like, in a while. He woke up and looked outside and then his girlfriend was like, what's wrong, Harry? And, well, I, and I will say this. That's actually a good teaser. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, they, shit, I'm on Earth. Dun, dun, dun. Like, they've, that's done it. That, they've done that a few times on the show where they've had really short teasers. Yeah, because um, it's like the, the core of the idea is pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's hit you with that and then get you thinking and then yeah. come back to it. But oh, then they here's Delana and she's a full Klingon. Why? Cut. There we yep. go. Yeah. Oh, they're in the holodeck and there are trees. That was not a good one. No. <laughs> There's, um, there's plenty that are not good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, in this one there's that. But anyway, when everything about it afterwards is just so dumb. There's so much like that. I was not exaggerating when he's like, "Who are you? What's going on? My name is Harry Kim, and I work on the Voyager." And she's just like, "Harry, what are you being silly about? I'm your girlfriend, Libby." Okay, now and let's let's take a sidetrack there real quick. Sure. Matt, that's your bad thing. Libby is. Oh garbage. yeah, yeah. Let's 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 cut it. Libby under. is one of the worst fucking app. app- actors i have ever seen in star trek um i didn't have quote rights to this episode but if i did i would her delivery of what really is amazing uh in fact if we want to take a sidetrack within our sidetrack we can uh put my quote in here because it's another fantastic acting moment from uh libby reacting awesome thank you yeah here you go very well i know the last few days must have been pretty tough on you do you do you really know what it's like when the person you love suddenly changes? There, you heard it here, folks. Oh, and I, I wish we had audio of the actor talking about how she doesn't <laughs> understand what the episode was about. Because, There's a great wow. bit in uh, Memory Alpha where she's I didn't understand what the episode was about. Is there two of me now? Am I waiting for him? I'm trying to or? figure out, am I, the, am I the second Libby? Yeah. Are there two Libbies? Is the other one think he's on Voyager? Oh, I don't know why man. she sounds like that, but you know. Does That's a kind of what like she sounds like. 
No. Okay. So so anyway, uh, Brian, please. Continue. Oh, okay. So going back to me. Okay. So basically, when I was watching this episode, it was, this was a few weeks back. I just could not stop laughing at it. Everything about his awful reaction to being the fact that nobody noticed anything was wrong with him until all of a sudden they were ready to arrest him for it. Yep. Um, there's so a, being a, a Maquis, because the only people who act suspiciously are Maquis. Oh, yeah, there couldn't be anybody else, couldn't be for any other reason. Um, and, even though, uh, even though sorry, real where, quick, real quick, in mm-hmm. a few weeks, we will find out that changelings have infiltrated Earth, but nope, mm-hmm. only Maquis. Anyway. Nope. That's it. And... He's like, he, he knows things about Voyager that uh, he couldn't know for any other reason. They're like, unless you were a spy. And he's like, well, how the fuck would I know any of that? And they don't yeah. even care about that. And then the biggest one, the one that really nailed it for me, there is a scene where he's tampering with his ankle bracelet trying to escape. And the little alarm goes off. And we get the best chase scene ever, which is two security guys beam in behind, like, a chest-height, like, uh, room divider screen. Yeah, one of those things you change behind. I can never remember Yeah, like, one of those, like, changing things. Yeah, in a a 30s hotel room that has a Murphy bed and a swinging light bulb, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so he's got one of those just in the corner for no reason. There's nothing behind it. It's not dividing anything. They beam in behind it, which looks so goofy, because mm-hmm. then they have to open up the little door to get out and chase after him. It Harry literally goes, looks like they should have beamed in naked. Harry yep. goes out the window, and then Libby, who's decided that she needs to save him, closes the window, and the security guys run up to it. And literally just like, just like they're like They're like particularly stupid video game characters who encounter an obstacle and just stop and look around and can't just move forward. They're like, well, what do we do now? Yes. I heard somebody accessing this computer, but there's nothing here but an upside-down cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. No, they're like uh, GTA cops. It's like, well, I can't see him. He must be gone. Yep. So he closes the window, Livy closes the window, and uh, they go, Harry starts going down the fire escape. So direct, and then, by the way, he goes past an open window, (laughs) and one of the security guys, like, lunges out at him, falls on the ground, they're chasing each other around the fire escape, they both make it to the ground, and they're doing this, like, goofy run around uh, on the, uh, there's, like, one block's worth of future San Francisco, and they keep running down it and like shooting it from different angles, so it looks like they're in different places. Oh, see, I actually, I that was actually my good thing is I thought there was only going to be a block, and there were actually a couple of different locations. Yeah, they did. Yes. I, I will say Three. that they did do it. They did do it effectively, and they made it look like future Earth, which I liked. But I'll save that for when you say your good thing because yeah. I'm I'm exaggerating the badness of that. But the fact of the matter is, it was a extremely silly chase scene, which ended with Tom Paris showing up and punching the guy in the face because. Why not? Mm-hmm. That's how you end a fight scene. Tom Paris with his uh, his his vest and his t-shirt uh-huh. combo. Well, that's how and you know he's uh, a rogue. it was just it was amazing and it was just so goofy and so, but the, not intentionally closed... goofy, just badly. No, done. but that's the thing, not intentionally goofy, but it was just this perfect storm of Braga had no ideas and oh. they just filled the episode with garbage and it. I think it you'll worked. find it's Hitchcocky intention. <laughs> it was, I was trying to do a Hitchcocky intention. I don't understand what the problem is. But I wound up with Benny Hillian chase sequences. I th- the thing that really got me in that whole uh, chase sequence was uh, as Harold is making his way down the fire escape ladder, which is not the most dynamic action in, to begin with. The no. music makes us feel like like it's like um, the Borger attacking music. It is the <laughs> most dramatic Star Trek music there is. Like the Dominion is full on attacking the station music, and turn he's just turn climbing turn down a ladder. That's and it. a guy and a guy reaching out a window for him. 
yeah. falling on the ground. No, no, no. This was this was before that even. This was just one guy coming down a ladder because there's a there's a lingering shot of that for 15, 20 well, seconds. Well, no, because there was the two security guys and the one guy lunged at him out the window and then he went around onto the fire escape ladder and the other guy went out right. the front door and caught him on the ground. But but there was a brief period where it's just him climbing a ladder and the music mm-hmm. and it's just like, what are you trying to get me excited about? And if anybody ever has an opportunity to be like by like a fire escape or any other sort of like narrow staircase where it's like a little smaller than normal, try to run down it and look like an action hero. It's impossible. You're taking little tiptoes the entire time. Right. And that's the thing. If you're if you're staging your action episode, maybe don't stage it there. Maybe mm-hmm. have the chase be at Starfleet headquarters or somewhere where there's some cool stuff to run through. Or maybe he can run out the front door of his apartment. They can be stymied by the door instead of the window. And then you have, like, a stairwell to go down. Yeah. Something. Little stymie. <laughs> Anything. But, yeah, no. My good thing, though, was, because I, and seriously, I struggled hard. I There's, don't we blame We kid you. about having to find good things, blah, blah, blah. But seriously, this episode was a pile of vaporized vaporized garbage plasma is what I put down here, which is not as good as Matt's hot buttered garbage water, but <laughs> I, I, I'm trying, man. I, I, the San look, we can, it, look, we can't all write uh, Moby Dick on the first try. Look, that was like episode 185 or something. That was not the first try. <laughs> but uh, it's like the set was more impressive than I thought. They weren't just running by the same storefront over and over like I thought they did. Either they built more than I thought or they shot it well, but it looked, I don't know, looked all right. I think, I think it was shooting, but yeah, no, it did, did look pretty good. And they, they had like little like details, like there were like signs up for like an upcoming festival and stuff. Stuff that right. didn't have anything to do with the episode, but yeah, it added a little bit of flavor to the it area. It looked like a real place. Yeah, and it, it, it wasn't all crazy future stuff either. There were certain things that we can relate to now as then 20th now 21st century people like mm-hmm. like oh a tent it's not a crazy future tent it's just a tent yep. yeah or even like the, the little the, the the transporter station had a little subway station entrance right like hey Which why apparently, not apparently apparently there's a little visual gag in there there's like a, a triangle a circle and a square and it's like the upn logo oh i didn't notice that's cute yeah it's just a the like the the visual department just like oh here's here's what our network is <laughs> here's my chance to shine I don't know. It's it's a dumb like it's dumb, but it's cute. Mm. Like it's got to look like something, so it's got a Might little as meaning well to look it. Look like okay. this, yeah. Um, but that's the, really I I struggled to find anything good because yeah, because it's, it's fucking terrible. It is just like everything I don't like about this guy. Um, but you guys managed to find good things. I mean, well, I mean, my good thing was this episode was bad and it made me laugh, so I think mine well, might be a cheat. Mine was, <laughs> a, a cheat. mine was an Italian stereotype, and also I got to watch Tom Paris explode at the end. That was oh yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, that was awesome. That was that was pretty good. Tom Paris. Okay, let's talk. Like Brian, you mentioned that he's got a vest and he's like they it's go to like, the they go uh, to the real French bar that is represented in his hologram. Yeah, sadly, uh, the the fake Kramer isn't there playing pool, but uh, oh. other than that, yeah. Because they didn't have to build another set, I guess. Oh, God, that reminds me. The terrible, terrible who's on first exchange between him and Libby, where he's like, I got to go to I got to go to Marseille to see Paris. Well, wait, I thought you were going to Marseille. Uh, Are you going to Paris? Oh, God, really? Because Paris is in France. Third base. I, I just I have to go see Tom Paris, a man who lives in France. There you go. I saved the day for you, Harold. You I see the confusion. All these ball players have names that sound like questions. <laughs> I understand you manage a baseball team. No, I'm a vaudevillian. 
The thing is, the kids in the hall and the Simpsons both did that joke, and I always struggle to remember which which version of that that is. Well, uh, the Simpsons did it with uh, Skinner, which was, yes, right. not the word, but a player with the unlikely name of who is on first base. Yep. Uh, Skinner! Classic. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, so, yeah, so we have yeah. terrible, uh, rebellious Tom Paris who never cleaned up his act. And uh-huh. that's my bad thing. Yeah. Um. So we this whole time we've been told that Tom Paris used to be like this sexy, drunken, dangerous bad boy who sold secrets to the Russians or something stupid like that. Yeah, and we um, joined him as he's trying to get his act together and trying to to leave that behind him. But yeah, we've that never he's really not. You know, him. he's not a killer like Nicholas right. Locarno or Wesley. Um, but he, you know, what, what is it? He cheated on a test or something and that sent him to prison. I don't know. No, no, no. They, they, they implied that he's the same character from the first duty, but they never actually said changed his name. Yeah. Kept his face. So they Um, don't have to pay Ron Moore to keep using his character. So this is the moment when we are supposed to see like Tom Paris, if he never got it together, Tom Paris, if after Janeway busted him out of prison, he, you know, didn't stay on Voyager and for some reason didn't go back to prison. Um, which is kind of weird, but this is supposed to be like the bad Tom Paris mm-hmm. and it doesn't work cause he's terrible at it. Well, that's- he's doing this like terrible, like I'm drunk and dangerous and I don't care about the world, but he's just acting the exact same way. He's just got a little stubble on his face now. I actually buy that as someone who doesn't believe that Tom Paris is the bad boy. Everyone thinks he is. <laughs> so he's-, he's a poser is what you're saying? Yeah, he's absolutely. He's a poser. Fair enough. He was actually in prison for tax fraud. Yeah. <laughs> we don't hey, even pay taxes. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ron Algarwatt raves. Tom Paris is Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically the same thing. Uh, but it, Tom like, Algar he, Capone. <laughs> like, he takes, he, like I mentioned in the summary, he takes a swing at Harry at one point, and Harry, like, knocks him on his ass because he's drunk. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's embarrassing. It doesn't work at all. Embarrassing? And, uh. Oh, don't you groan. <laughs> don't you dare groan. Neither of us have room to talk. Yes. Um, and uh yeah, he's and he's dressed in like cargo pants, an yeah. orange t-shirt, and a vest. Well, that's that's Star Trek's typical we don't know how to dress people when they're not in Starfleet uniforms. But it's problem. not even like a future vest. It's just like they went down to Goodwill and picked up an ugly vest. They're like, okay, space rogue. What does that mean? Han Solo, vest. Here, Don, good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Han Solo wear like a cool vest and not like a little like rainbow stripe one? No, vest, vest is a vest. And doesn't What's he the- wear like, uh, like a cool like I don't care white shirt and not like a orange V-neck? Yeah, but it's the 90s. Come on. Oh. Man, when do you get to the episode where they go back in time to 1997? Oh. I'll wait for that episode. Some great fashion choices in that one. Well, as I understand it, Ed Begley Jr.'s there, so I like that guy at least. And Sarah Silverman. <laughs> oh, oh, well, good. Those are two people I like. I vaguely enjoyed that episode. Let's briefly Guess talk who Tom about... Tom Paris hits on? That's right, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, well, that's all right. That's <laughs> I was going to say Andy Dick. Hey, nice electric car. <laughs> um, no, no, what... he doesn't know about electric cars. He only knows about combustion engines. Oh, of course. And they the... used to work by exploding dead dinosaurs in them or something. A key. What's oh, that? What? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no, that's the next episode where they know what photographs are for some reason. Um, Photograph of a key would blow their minds. <laughs> Let's well, blow their minds. <laughs> I'm going to blow <laughs> their minds. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the, the alternate, like, where things started to, to diverge, which is... Um, at Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. because Harold wasn't there, 
Um, Paris, I guess, got in a fight with Quark? Yeah, what? Well, what, what happened, with the way they said it was, in our universe, in Universe Prime, uh-huh. Quark tries to sell Harry those rocks, and Paris shows up and is just, like, totally cool and suave, and he's like, hey, no, no, he's you He's totally know racist and suave. Hey, well, don't yes. trust the filthy Ferengi. But he's relaxed about it. He's just like, hey, you know those things are fake, right? Let's go. Let's get out of here. This guy doesn't need us. In this version, and unless we were hearing it wrong, but we all came to this conclusion, it looks like Quark tried to sell him the rocks, and Paris punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that can't be the point of divergence, because otherwise Paris would be like, no, I've seen that before. Well, no, it wasn't, I... because Harry wasn't there. It was prior to that. Yeah, but I mean, like, if that, but it's we're the point supposed of to be assuming that him. everybody's the same yeah. up until that point. Right. Why would Paris all of a sudden know, be but, in a face-punching mood? There was one thing I did like, and I wasn't going to cop out and make my good thing something from Deep Space Nine, because yeah, well. that would be cheating. <laughs> but there's a bit where he says, um, yeah, so this, this changeling put me in a holding cell, and Janeway tried to get me out, but the station commander would not hear of it. And I just got this great mental picture of Cisco saying, what? No, fuck you. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> You're going to have to leave without him. He's not going anywhere. That guy's not going anywhere. That guy sounds like garbage. I just, I, I want to see the scene between, between Kate and Ben, mm-hmm. where she's like, "Come on, I got this guy. I went to special pains to get this guy out of prison to help me on this mission. Can you, can you just give me a break here, please? No, no, I can't. <laughs> no, nope. I'd like Try to. Again. Wa- I'd like to want to help you, but <laughs> yeah. I'm but, trying to think. Uh, why does Kate and Ben sound familiar? Was that a TV show or something? I don't know. Could be. Maybe he was on Columbo. <laughs> the Spencer for Hire Columbo crossover. She yeah, was, she was. I, I I found this out recently. She was Mrs. Columbo in the spinoff for the first season, and mm-hmm. then for some reason they wanted to abandon their connection to Columbo, so they called her like Detective Kate or something like that. Weird. <laughs> I don't the remember the exact name. name. I, do know, I do know her character's name was Kate. I do know that for a fact. Well, she's but, like the Tony Danza of Kates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But they they completely dropped all connection to Columbo, and she was just her own person at that point, mm. which is just bizarre. But anyway, my bad thing. We need to we need to wrap this episode up. So we yeah, we're right on this right. one. Yeah, um. is okay. Harold is in front of this admiral and some other guys from Starfleet Security, which initially, apparently, according to Memory Alpha, they wanted to get Counselor Troy to be there interrogating him. Mm-hmm. Like this is between Enterprises, I think, and. She's, I guess, working at Starfleet headquarters, and maybe she's working for security or something. Who knows? But uh, Marina Sirtis wasn't available. Um, so it's just this old admiral. And he's just like, uh, Harold's like, but but reality changed. Oh, really? You got any proof? Like, what? this this shit happens out there all the time. Where? How would you prove it? Everything has literally changed. No, I think it's more likely that you're a liar. Yeah. I just, like... I. It feels like Starfleet would know about this stuff. Yeah. At and this point, there's no excuse to not... <laughs> at least investigate. I don't know how you would investigate it, because the thing is, literally everything has changed. I don't know. There's. I'm sure there's a department for uh, um, alternate realities at this like point. The, like the temporal investigations Like I said, temporal investigations. It would just be, the, it would just be those time travel guys again, because mm-hmm. it's basically time travel. Yeah. Just I like after the fact. Yeah, I guess that's there, there was a point that diverged somewhere in the past, and mm. it just—it really surprises me that they don't even entertain the possibility. They're just like, "Nope, you must be lying, and if you're subversive, you must be a maquis, because that's the only people who wish us harm." Yep. Now, if you excuse me, the Borg and the Changeling and the Whale Probe are attacking. Are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And V'ger. And of course, and V'ger. Star and Trek V'ger. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. Anything else? No. Uh, I will say just uh, just one thing, which is um, after Paris punches out the Starfleet security guy, they bend down and look at him for a second and get up and walk away. And Al said, hey, I think you stole that guy's wallet. And no, that, that made Matt. me laugh very hard. Matt was that Matt? Oh, I'm sorry. Matt, I'm not crediting you with your jokes correctly. That's all right. Um, but I do think it's interesting. <laughs> Does that it matter if I stole them from another thing? Oh, there you go. That nobody who is standing around watching actually does say, uh, so we just saw this vest guy punch out a Starfleet officer and walk away. You, probably should we, weird. Should we do anything about that, or? No. No, because nah. the plot doesn't demand it. Fucking Braga. Anyway, let's go on. The plot let's doesn't demand it. Thank you. <laughs> I was a little disappointed in this one. That's what he said. I, like, thought I, I thought I did the best job, but everyone else really let me down. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what he says. Nobody did this episode as good as I wanted them to. Do it harder, I said, but they didn't. <laughs> well, this other one, as, as Brian correctly pointed out, sure feels like a Braga, but it isn't. I no. really thought it was. Matt, why don't you tell That's us It's completely about understandable. All right. Twist head. Twist head. Everyone is having a surprisingly adorable second birthday party for Kess, while Neelix breathes heavily in a corner. Harold is eager to join in the festivities when suddenly Voyager enters its 87th anomaly of the week. Everyone report to their station. Or try to, anyway. Mostly, they <laughs> wander around lost and annoyed for 38 minutes. Hey, says everyone to everyone else. Isn't this place? No, everyone replies. This is other place. How silly, everyone says, <laughs> slapping their collective foreheads. Now repeat that seven more times with further and further diminishing returns. It's like the Enterprise exploding, but I don't get to watch an explosion. Eventually, Janeway sticks her bun in the wrong Jeffrey's tube, briefly becomes a less sexy Elastigirl, and then starts hearing everyone talk backwards. The tr crew reconvenes in Paris's creepy sex deck to regroup, argue, and eventually wait for death. Luckily, the anomaly passes over them harmlessly, and everything works out fine. Fuck this episode. Fuck Voyager. Fuck everything. Fuck bless us, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like it, to be clear, but I liked it better than the other one. Uh, that was our debate. Well, that was, that was the first thing I asked when we started. Better or worse than the other one? Yeah. It had and, some good uh, character moments. It did have some good character moments, but so much of it was just wandering. Like, no, also, I, it had some bad character moments, too. It did have some bad character Listen, moments. to be very clear, I am not saying it's a good episode by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying it had more to latch on to than the previous one. Well, I mean, that's, it had more characters than Non-Sequitur. It had that going for it. Saying it's better than Non-Sequitur is like saying it's better than Herpes, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... But, I mean, it wasn't just following one character in a, a, a whole situation that never happens. No, it was following mm -hmm. many characters in a situation where nothing ever happens. No, 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 where it, where it never happened. Oh. Yeah, like, at least in this one, it has happened in the past. I saw it happen. I watched it happen. Uh, Don't tell me it didn't happen. And so on. Um, it. I mean, yeah, it's very tedious. I, I'm not going to deny that. Very, very tedious. It's incredibly tedious. That You were not kidding that there's literally, like, five scenes where people walk into a room and they're like, this isn't the cargo bay. Yep. No, this is the transporter room. Cut to two different characters. This isn't sick bay. Yep. No, this is the cafeteria. There's Ugh. like, ugh, my bad thing is like, this. Bit, this uh, no episode has ever 20 minutes harder than this episode 20 minutes. <laughs> in, hours in 15 minutes passed it's... in the real world while I watched the Voyager crew wander around quarters. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure I hit every stage of grief in the unending 40 <laughs> minutes this episode took to, took for my life. Denial. I can't believe they're still wandering around the ship. 
anger. Oh my god, don't go back to the holodeck again. You were just in the holodeck. You're in space. Do space things. Bargaining, I would literally give anything for this episode to end. I will sell you my wife. It's okay, she doesn't <laughs> listen to this show. Depression, I wish I was dead. And finally, acceptance. This is the rest of my life. I will always be watching Twisted. That might be the best bad thing you have ever done. That is, a good that one. is really well done. Thank your, you. your suffering is worth it. Oh my god. The, ugh. Yeah. No, like I'm, it's not just boring, it's painfully boring. And repetitive. Yeah. It's and so I, painful. The thing is, they very like we often call them out on their oh, this is so padded, but they're like, no, no, we did a good job. Here they even say, Yeah, we had to pad this one a bit. Oh man. Which it's means like, it must be really bad. We didn't have enough we didn't have enough shitty story to fill 40 minutes, so we just, you know, a lot of, where do I live? Oh, man, wouldn't it be great if uh, Harry also was in an alternate dimension in this episode, and he's like, who are you? Where am I? This isn't the holodeck. What's going on? We could That's, really stretch that out. What I really want is the scene where uh, Neelix and Kess are looking for Kess's quarters, and if they'd stumbled across an Italian man who could tell them where they lived. Oh, hey, Neelix, what are you going to do? Have sex with this lady here? Hey, you're going to have sex with this two-year-old? That sounds like a good time. Oh. Happy two-year-old birthday to you, Kess. See, okay, but first, let's talk about, like, the the little surprise party they threw. I thought that was cute. It was very cute. It that was, was, nice that was very cute. I mentioned that um, the first thing you see when the surprise party starts is Janeway jumps out from behind the pool table and yells surprise like she was crouched down. Mm -hmm. I can't picture any other Starfleet captain doing that. Cisco, maybe if it was for, like, Dax. Yeah. But nobody else. They just, surprise, they, they old wouldn't. man. And Janeway knows that in the situation she's in, she's got to relate to these people as a person. And so, yeah, she's like, sure, I'll jump out from behind a pool table for a surprise party. Sounds like fun. Yeah. It's one of the things I like. Good for you, lady. It's one of the things I like about uh, Janeway. You know, she's up for it. No, mm -hmm. and and it sounds derogatory when we call her like space mom, and it's not mm -hmm. meant to be. No, it's never been in, been in the same way that that Cisco was space dad. Yeah, yeah. She's a good she parent. Has to be their mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a good parent to the people under her care. Like mm -hmm. it's not a it's 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 not meant as like oh she's a mom. It's yeah. meant like oh she's their mom. The, the, if there the, were kids on the ship and they had Captain Janeway Day, she would be all about it. Oh, she, she would not be like it. Captain. Yeah, she would not be Captain Picard rolling her eyes. And no. I'd like well, to welcome you so all cute. to the 16th annual Captain Janeway Day. Oh, no, she'd make it all about them. Yeah. Like, yeah. she would totally make it all about them. She'd be like, oh, this is, what did you make this out of, macaroni? Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. You know, like, just, she'd, she'd make a big deal out of it. No, one of my Felix, favorite... they made me out of macaroni. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't make that macaroni. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> they and they made you out of a moldy old potato. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think your god did that. <laughs> Neelix, I'm going to have to ask you to stay out of the children's quarters. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, two does not mean two. Just, just so we're, just so we're clear. No, but uh, they are, I said this. No, but they are pre-puberty, so yeah, they are really game. emphasizing Kess's weirdly young age for two things. First of all, Neelix comes in with this weirdly giant cake, and yeah. it's just got two tiny little birthday candles stuck in the middle, and I'm mm -hmm. like, boy, you are really highlighting that, aren't you? The, the only thing that would have been worse is would have been one of those, like, uh, two candles. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> says the number two? Yeah, it's just the, the number two with a wick. Yeah. That, I, I'm gonna be honest, I think that probably would have been better, because at least those candles you expect to see on their own. <clears throat> a number candle, you expect to see one candle in the middle of a cake. 
if it's two, you're just like one, two. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That uh, uh, and the other thing is, and this is this is I'm sure they're not doing this intentionally. At least I hope they're not. But the the costume department keeps putting her in like these little like jumpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that is something a child wears, and you have to stop dressing her like that. I See, I don't know, because that's a weird line to walk, because do you want to dress her in sexy stuff? No. No. That's, and that also she's very attractive, weird. and honestly, she makes those jumpers work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, she don't look bad in them. No, I, I concur, but I do think it's it's a hard line to walk, and I think there's a way to do it, but I think it's she's... a hard line for them to walk to, do we make, do we embrace her youth, or do we make her, uh, like, a, a, an attractive woman? Like, how do we do this? You know what I Make mean? Make her like, a just a person, just a grown up. Well, just I mean, dress her like a grown be... up. Give her a vest and a t shirt. <laughs> I'm trying to think like Star Trek people, not like you know a modern human, because you know. Give her <laughs> one of Cisco's weird little square vests. There you go. That's a good look. Yeah. Give her one of his Africa hats. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm into Africa. Uh, it all... would not fit over her uh, poofy hair. No, it wouldn't. I'd be fine with it. That's why. That's why Cisco shaves his head so his hats fit better. (laughs) (laughs) But they they got like there's a lot of little cute moments there, like not just the Janeway thing, but like a lot of you know. And and Harold wants to go to the thing, but he's got bridge duty and and two Mm -hmm. bucks. Like, and they have the party in the holodex that the doctor can come by. Oh, that that is the best because he's like her best friend on the ship. Yeah. And he actually is. That's a, that's well established. Surprisingly, and Neelix doesn't think that she's fucking him. And he's got a kicky little French beret. Like <laughs> he's got a little beret and a little artist smock for no yeah, reason. It's so yep. great. Yep. It's adorable. That's the thing. Like all the character stuff in. Well, not all the character stuff in this, but some a of the lot character, of character stuff. stuff. I'll get to it. It's my bad thing. Yeah, but there's there's a fair amount in here that I actually like. Yeah. So, uh, but okay. Why don't you then get into the the bad? Thing? Okay, so. Um, Tom motherfucking, possibly literally, Paris. Neelix may be a prudish, sexist, controlling, gaslighting dick of a boyfriend. Dick knows of a boyfriend. Oh, no, no, there's no, there's no maybe. He is. Yeah. It is especially apparent in this episode, but the worst thing about Tom Paris is that he makes Neelix right. Yeah. Don't hit on his freaking girlfriend right in front of him, you asshole. And speaking of things that highlight Kess's youth, she doesn't notice. Like, this is not Neelix is misinterpreting what Paris is doing. Paris is flat out, hey, I bought you this expensive necklace. It cost me two weeks of replicator rations to no, make. No, no, no. Here's, here's how it unfolds. Wow, this must have cost you one week's replicator. Well, two, actually. Yeah. I, but who's talking? Yeah. But who's counting? Like, that's the worst answer to that. Like, don't worry about it. I just, like, I wanted to get you something nice. Like, you play yeah. it down. You don't say, yeah, no, I spent more than you thought. Cause I wanted great. to get you some real special jewelry. And he says, you know, while staring directly at Neelix while he's saying this. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what the? And, uh I just, I picture, and it's a locket, right? I picture her opening, and it's like, oh, it's nice. It has two pictures of Tom Paris in it. <laughs> no, it's it's one of her and one of Tom. And in the picture of her was very obviously cropped so that Neelix is cut out of it. <laughs> Like you can see, you can see like the edge of his mohawk in the other picture. No, it's not even that. It's like it's a picture of Tom, and the other one is a picture of Cass. But from like, like she was clearly not aware her picture was being taken. Oh God! No, no, it's a picture of Cass and Neelix. Only Tom cut a picture of his head out and put it over Neelix's head. No, it's the future, so it's not just a still picture. It's a moving picture, and it's a green tinted version of the the sex tape that she and Neelix made. <laughs> With Tom Paris's head grafted over Neil. <laughs> Obviously. 
Oh, okay, you win. Um, that's a good well, ex- escalation cast. there, guys. This, not, this, is, this has been another round of how creepy can we make Tom Paris? No, see, I was trying to go for the for the Paris Hilton pun, and I just I couldn't oh, quite get that. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. okay. No, it was there. It was there. You, you, we were, yeah, we but then I said one night in Kess, and I fucked the whole thing up. You know, one night with Paris, maybe? There you yes. go. Uh, how about the fact that um, the bartender lady that he programmed into his holodeck simulation mm-hmm. tries to rape the doctor? Yeah, that does. And happen. I'm not saying that as like you know I, that is not a joke that I would make light of. But the doctor, she's trying to kiss him, and the doctor's like, "No, I don't want to," and she's grabbing his head and forcing him. Yeah, but you him do want to. Yeah, she is a female Pepe Le Pew. Was that Cosimo? <laughs> That's all right. I'm gonna have a sex with the doctor. He's a sexy and beret, really turning me on. I'm just Mama watching, Mia. Like, the fuck is happening? And yeah. Paris programmed her to do it. To not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. I do. I do like the bit where it, it was. This your quote, Matt? I didn't actually check. Uh, if you won't. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, that's my quote. I, I like that where she just gives up and says this. If he won't play pool with you and he won't make love to me, then as far as I'm concerned, he can mop the floor. Which is delightful. Yep. I. I. But there's. As like, grass a grass. Nobody rides for free. I'm doing it now too. <laughs> that was definitely Italian. Bonjour. Um, I don't know, but like I say, there there are some little like you're you're absolutely right about Paris and Neil. Neelix is particularly bad. Oh, Neelix oh yeah, is he's so bad, bad in this he's episode. Because then she's like, they're walking through the halls, and she's like, wait a minute, four three six, but that's Lieutenant Baxter's room, and he's like, how do you know where Baxter's bedroom is? No, no, she may- names three different people. How do you know where everyone's bedroom is? Why like, do you know where all the men's bedrooms are? I know where the women's bedrooms are, too. Why do you know where all the women's bedrooms are? <laughs> no, that wouldn't occur to him. Also, you're, you're making Neelix into Braga. He doesn't think that women have agency. Women, yeah, don't, uh, women aren't anything other than props to have sex with for Neelix. Well, I mean, tu- Tuvok did smack him down about that last week. I don't believe that Neelix is the type of person who learns things or well, retains knowledge. Yeah, what if fair. I want to have sex with her? But yeah, he's well, you particularly don't. terrible. And again, like I like I mentioned last week, I feel I still don't get a, a victim vibe from her, and that might just be how uh, the, the actor's mm-hmm. playing it. Because she's always like, "What? No, no, I'm no. There's no reason to be." Jealous. Yeah, that's the so only anyway. thing that keeps this from being utterly disgusting is that she's like. And that might be an acting choice. I don't know if that's in the script because mm. she's she's always just like, eh, no, you're wrong. So yeah, anyway. I gotta say, well, like I was saying, it was all right at first, but the fact that she consistently doesn't see she doesn't see oh, it's the problems awful. that Let's Neelix has, and she doesn't see the fact that, for example, Paris is blatantly hitting on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really kind of making her look dumb and childish. Yeah, it's making like, her look too. She yeah. should be. She, at this Matt, point, she's where, two of nine. You gotta, you gotta put that in context. No, two of nine doesn't like show for another couple of years. Uh huh. Um, and it, it's just it. Oof. Like, okay. Do you guys watch uh, the Last Man on Earth by any chance? No, not yet. You should. Uh, it, there, but there's there was a scene in a recent episode where somebody was hitting on somebody, and she did not like it. And that's how the, this should be playing. And eventually, just flat out said, "Stop it! You are making me uncomfortable mm-hmm. because right. it's obvious." That's what Kess should be saying to Neelix. We should, or not to Neelix, well, yes, to Neelix, but to Paris especially. Yeah. We shouldn't have to watch her not see what's happening. We should watch Paris getting maced in the face. I, I concur. I think that would be the best choice. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of ways. Well, this could be worse, and that that's <laughs> that's making apologies. I know, but uh, you know, it's Voyager, and you got to do that. <laughs> if if we don't think of ways it could be worse, we'll never have any fun. Right. Then it'll just be oh, this was bad, and this was bad, and this was bad. I guess weeks like this really are like this is what I expected. This is the show that I thought we were doing, mm-hmm. and it really showed some promise there in season one, and now it's kind of settling into like this is six in a row now where I just like there's mm-hmm. ugh. Does it, I mean, Ryan, uh, you've watched ahead. Does it get better again? Well, what I did was I watched the the entire first season and was, as with you, impressed. Uh, and so then I watched a little bit into the second season. I've seen up through the next few weeks, and I was kind of, well, again, as you have noticed, this has taken a turn for the worse. So then what I did was I looked um, up, you know, top ten Voyager episodes, mm-hmm. and I watched some future ones just to assure myself that there were good ones on the way. Like, that time travel one with Ed Bailey Jr., I enjoyed that. That, mm. that was, it's everything past tense should have been. Um, yeah, but we're right the only ones who didn't parter. like past tense. So. Yeah, everyone yeah, loves yeah. past tense. Yeah. But, you know, it, it takes the story and it tells it effectively. There are some, uh, you know, there's some good, like, you know, Hunt and Monsters episodes. There's uh, some good ones when Seven of Nine comes along and they're focusing on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to tell you guys. It's not going to be an easy road, but there are bright spots ahead. But it's we're not going to get that run. And, and I think saying that we were impressed is a bit overselling it. We were pleasantly well, surprised. Surprised, yeah, would be a better way to put it. But I guess I guess those days are behind us, huh? Those days are. There's not going to be a good solid run like that for, it, uh, for it, quite a while. It feels like I mean, most shows their first season they're still trying to figure out what they are, and now they figured out what they are, and it's it's this. They're, they're doing it backwards. They had a good first season and everything else is uh, lousy. Boy. Um, hey, this is our lives, so, Matt. You know, like uh, I said, there's stuff on the way and uh, yeah, Irish Gav will probably be here for all of those because he knows what to look for. I, Irish Gav actually almost completely disagrees with me every time. He's like, I liked the 37s. And him, I liked, and, uh, uh, him and Vichelle. Projected. Yeah. So who knows? Um, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I like the last couple of, of seconds of the episode when everyone thinks they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always kind of a sucker for that sort of last, well, this is it for us scene. It, they do it in uh, the last episode of Angel, and I really liked it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, it tells you a lot about characters when you when You, you find out what, they, what they do see. if they knew they were about to die. Right. Um, Chuck, Ant, and Tuvok, they have a really nice sort of scene together where they sort of kind of reconcile, sort of. Well, there's there's some good tension between them prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like that one because you said kind of reconcile. Tuvok tells him, I don't like you and I don't like your style. Mm. I hope I didn't make anything difficult for you. Not yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry, I see now the captain was right to chose you. No, he still wants to be first officer. He still thinks he should be. Mm-hmm. But, but he's, he's like, respecting he's the come decisions. Around and to he's come you know, well, Chakotay's yeah. Chico- yeah. got something going for him, there's, I guess. Yeah. There's, a, there's a nice, and it's actually kind of a callback and it's something they've done before. Which is Balana's methods are a bit unconventional, mm-hmm. and Chicote kind of gets behind her when she does stuff like that. And there's there's two ways to go. There's there's her crazy way, and there's Tuvok's sensible way. And he's like, no, we're doing her way. And he's like, and Tuvok's like, but but my way. And no, we're doing what I said with her. I'm yeah. the first officer. Ugh, fine. And then we have a moment later where. Uh, like, well, that didn't work. Tuvok, let's try your way. And he gets this really, like, delightfully shitty bit where he's like, oh, now you want to try my way. Well, it's too late. 
Um, and it's that perfect snarky way that they would give Spock sometimes where he's yeah. still he's still dispassionate, but he's clearly enjoying being right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was great. But anyway, it, it all culminates in this bit you're talking about. Matt. Yeah, I also yeah. like uh, the Doctor and Kess have a nice little scene together. And those two I really like together. Yeah, me too. They're real nice together. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I. Oh, go ahead. There's even there's even the bit with like I'm not a super big fan of Chakotay contacting his ancestors, yeah. spirit animal. His he was spirit, looking for his, this time. His spirit animal, but spirit I do God. like I do like Balana coming up and sort of being there with him. It's weird. She kind of latches onto his stuff, but she's not. She doesn't exactly believe in it, but she really wants him to believe in it or something like yeah, that. You know what I, I mean? Like. That, I, uh, yeah, That's like that sort of helps like, her. I like, a, her deal. I like that in a weird way. Yeah, like, I like her. Maybe not agreeing with his beliefs, but like, but I need you to agree with your beliefs. Damn it! I need mm-hmm. to know somebody who actually believes something. I, I well, don't, she's... I don't get it. But the fact that you, like, the fact that you have faith helps yeah. me. That's yeah, like, she was the only person on his ship that wasn't a double agent. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice that she still respects him like that. Does That's anyone true. here work for me? I did. Uh, anyone else? <laughs> No, I, I do. How I do about like you, her. Baxter? Well, Baxter was working out so hard, he didn't realize what happened. <laughs> which which is the best in this episode. Amanda kept pointing out as like a ridiculous thing. And I don't know, like I sometimes got my headphones on and I'm running on the treadmill and I'm hardly what you would call a, an intense workout guy. But like, you know, you get focused. No, but like it's I the way he says it. I was working out so hard. <laughs> I was doing so many reps, bro. Yeah, I guess. I didn't really see it that Jesus, way. Jesus, Harry, do you even lift? <laughs> I just I and mostly, he's a little shrimpy guy too, which is what makes it funny. I think mostly, he looks like Clark. He looks like a budget Clark Gregg. Yeah, yeah, he does actually. I could see that. Mostly, I just want to completely forget who Baxter is again, just to to spite the listener who's like, "But it's Baxter, obviously." No, I don't know who that is. I keep waiting for him to turn into a fly. Could have been Carrie. I uh, no, Carrie's gone now. Yep. He'll be back in a long time, but he's gone for quite a while. Um, my good thing though was was uh, among those various character moments, Chuck actually had a, like it's. I wish we could show it. It's a visual mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I don't um, know if it'll translate well to like the cover. No, I don't think so. But there's a, no because there's a look. Yeah, yeah. and it's an anima- It's animated. You'd have to see like you'd have to see it in GIF form. Um, it's okay. They're they're splitting up. They're like okay, you guys go do this. You guys go do this. And uh, Neelix says, well, I could go with Commander Chakotay because uh, my tracking abilities are, are, you know, galaxy renowned. And Kate always has this great sort of wry smile when Neelix, like, what do you you think, Commander? You want to take Neelix with you? And he gives her this look that is just the funniest thing. Yep. It's like, I guess I will do that. (laughs) How about you fucking take Neelix with you? (laughs) But but she asks him in front of Neelix so he can't say no. (laughs) Yep. That's what's funny about it. It's like, well, I want to say no, but you've put me in a really bad spot here. So, yes, I guess. God damn it. Well, joke's on uh, Joke's on her. She has to go on a mission with uh, Harry. With Harold. Miss. Who, uh, Amanda pointed this out. Is This is Harry's best day ever. First, <laughs> yes. he gets invited to a, a surprise party, and then he gets to go on a mission with Miss Teacher. It's just and uh And uh, Tuvok even uh, acknowledges him early on. Yes. <laughs> No, that's another good little character moment. Where, you have done. Oh, well, that's that's actually that's my good thing. Ah. Uh, is well, Tuvok in general and the way that he's. And this is a real minor thing, but I like it. 
Uh, he's learning how to relate to people, how to be friends with the staff, how to ignore Harold's blatant brown nosing. Um, but it's never, you know, he's not Mr. Spock becoming more human every day. He's, no, because there's no human in there. No, he's just... He's being a Vulcan who's figuring out how to work with humans and not compromise his Vulcanity. Mr. Yeah. Tuvok, and... you're continuing to be Vulcan at the exact rate that you should be. But this is an important thing when you when you write a Vulcan in Star Trek. They can't just be a dick. Like, no. mm-hmm. you got to work with humans. You have to, like, acknowledge that there are some cultural things, just like the humans have to sometimes acknowledge your cultural mm-hmm. things. Like this, yeah, this and so he makes those. it work. And so in the opening scene where Harry's like, I finished running that diagnostic scan you wanted. Uh, I finished this. I finished that. I finished all my work. And there's a half hour before the end of my ship. And... Yeah, it's clear. He's like, so can I leave? You want to go to the party, right? And uh, Harry in his head is going, no, I want you to say you're proud of me. (laughs) Um, But no, he's like, I do believe that the holodeck systems may require routine maintenance. No, Why don't you first, go take care of that? At first he says, well, you still have 30 minutes on your shift. Mm -hmm. So no, you can't go to the party. But... But if you wanted to go and do a level one diagnostic on there and yeah, um, hang out at the holodeck for half an hour while that diagnostic is running, yeah. I certainly couldn't say no. And that's a good way for him to not yeah. compromise his, this is my stance that he needs to be doing his job, but also not yeah. be a dick. Mm-hmm. It's like when he was talking to Neelix, he was giving advice, he was being a friend, but he was being a Vulcan. Yeah. no, I I'm, like him. Favorite character. Yeah, pretty good character. You know, next to the doctor. Favorite. Yeah, still like the doctor. Yeah. I I will say one of my favorites. Like it's basically those those two, and also the captain have mm-hmm. been my favorites all along. Mm-hmm. And I'm super disappointed that she's barely in this. They they incapacitate her relatively early on, maybe like middle of the episode, and she just lies there babbling nonsense for the rest mm-hmm. of the time. And it's like, she's come on, talking she's backwards the best like, one. The, like she's in the red room. <laughs> but yeah, but there's like there's some cool science stuff going on, and it's her ship, like. The, between those two things, she should be totally taken charge, and that might be why the writers took her out of the equation, just because it would o- otherwise be a totally Janeway story. Like, mm-hmm. science shit is happening to the Voyager. These are two things that really matter to me. Yeah, if you're doing a science story, you gotta get the science officer out of the way if you want it to be a, an ensemble piece. Right, exactly. And you want it otherwise it would just be her trying to solve the problem, and her also having all the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that, that, that one... Um, uh, next generation episode where the ship broke down, Jordy had to be stuck in the cargo bay because right. if he was in engineering, it would have been about him fixing the engines. Yeah, and like Troy had to be on the bridge. Like that's what you do. You put people out of their yeah. comfort zones. Exactly. Although that was a good episode. Yes. Well, just, well, <laughs> just to be clear, not a good episode. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I got to give Chakotay a good thing. So now I think I'm covered for this season. I don't know if that's an official thing, but. Oh, like are we bringing back the Wesley rule? I think that is the Wesley rule, yes. I think One uh, per season. Yep. Yeah, like, um, no, I think that ended up applying to Wesley's entire stint as, as a main cast member. Mm-hmm. Just like, we oh, had to... You know, he had, he had his moments, as it turned out. Maybe Chakotay will start having moments now. Chakotay or Chakotay, as... Chakotay, yes. as As only Balana still calls him. <laughs> he doesn't Chakotay. even refer to himself that way. No. Did you guys ever uh, talk about that uh, terrible commercial on this show? Uh, we may have done. Chukate and Tuak. Yeah, Tuak, the Vulcan. Kiss and Doc Zimmerman. (laughs) Doc Zimmerman. Zimmerman, A member of the Marquis. (laughs) A member of the Marquis. Worst commercial ever. Anything else? Uh, something, something. No, I don't think so. Matt? Uh, Nope. Uh, Two bad episodes. Yeah. Let's put a bullet in this one. 
Brian, you have only been, you were only just here a couple of weeks ago, but once again, tell the people about your blog. Ah, uh, yes, the blog, though it does not discuss movies anymore, uh, Disney movies anymore, is all the Disney movies.blogspot.com. Just, uh, just posted the review of The Prince of Egypt, Excellent. Uh, which was, oh, yeah. well, a little, little bit more of a mixed bag than I remembered. Oh, seriously? Yeah, well, you know, read the review. I will. Um, I'll tell you this: it is probably the best looking movie I have ever reviewed for that uh, for that site. Huh. Uh, but there are some story issues which are inherent to the Bible. I was going to say, yeah, what are you, you going to really do? awkward to review? Ah, because <laughs> well, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, in the story of the Exodus, God is kind of a bad guy. Well, and, and, and the thing is, the Bible is sort of not really murders written. a lot of children. Mm, yeah, the, the Bible's He'll not really that. written for a with a three act story structure in mind. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's no real ending, and right. so and they have to cover all the emotional stuff with montages, yeah. which are actually all pretty good. Huh. Um, but no, I mean it's good. Um, uh, some great acting in it, and then also Val Kilmer's Moses. <laughs> But uh, uh, Patrick is Stewart weird. is Pharaoh, right? Patrick Stewart is Pharaoh, and Patrick Stewart changing his voice so he sounds more like Ray Fiennes, who's playing his son. Oh, nice. Um, which is, you know, really nice, because it's always good to remember that pa- while Patrick Stewart does have an amazing voice, he doesn't 100% rely on it all the time. Mm. No, he's got range um, as a voice actor, too. So yeah, he's he's Seti in uh, Ray Fiennes' Ramesses. Ray Fiennes one of three people in the movie that does their own singing. Oh, nice. Because you don't, you, you don't think of him as a singer. I don't. Really? Uh... Yeah, but he does a good job. It's him and then Martin Sh- uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin. Mm. Ah. Um, yeah. Well, no, they they are surprisingly good as the comic relief guys, because as soon as I heard them, ah. I'm like, oh, they're going to be the wacky characters, aren't they? Yeah. But no, they, they maintained a certain air of, like, menace. <laughs> does this biblical film have, like, two singing gargoyles or something? No, they're uh, Pharaoh's court magicians. Um, That's awful, too. It, so, Their song is a real, like, I've mentioned this in the blog, that every single movie after uh, Aladdin had to have, like, a wacky visuals song. Uh-huh. Um, but because they're court magicians putting on a show of how impressive their gods are, yeah, that's, it's, there's a reason it, for it, that. It works. Yeah. It's established. And, like, they got, like, they don't just all of a sudden, it's dark and there's spotlights and smoke. They show them using their powders to make the smoke, using angled mirrors to make the spotlights mm. and stuff. That's cool. So there's there's reason for it. Anyway, main so, point is Prince of Egypt, kind of good, uh, kind of bad. Read so it's review. Steve Martin in a movie about Egypt. At any point, does he make a King Tut reference? Regrettably, no. I think uh, King Tut was like about a thousand years after this. I, 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 I figured, but you know, you got you to try to work that in there. Moses, you're my favorite hunky. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I would also, uh, and uh, I'm putting this in an isolated part in case Al wants to cut it out, but I would recommend Al's latest blog venture, uh, allthedeadlygames.blogspot.com. I got to say, you go there, check it out. I feel like it was made for me. It, it was, say. in fact, made for you. <laughs> <laughs> so check that out. And, that was uh, a good one. Matt, get us out of here. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.